beautiful day. Uh, how many of you guys had fun yesterday? Like one or two? Really? How many of you, how many of you guys got flowers? All right. One hand over there. How many of you guys gave flowers yesterday? All Friday. And today. Uh, okay, so um, I want to take you to the, uh, to the letter of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And yes, yes, you guessed it. We're going to speak about love today. Um, the most beautiful word in the world. So, um, but before, before we read this scripture, and let me open up my Bible. Um, I will be, what I will be doing today uh, in the next 20, 25 minutes is I want to speak about the real context of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, when I say the real context, I'm not saying that there's no other context in which you cannot use this chapter. Uh, but I think sometimes, you know, when we read chapter 13, we miss the main point of the chapter. But as I said, um, we, can, we can use it, you know, as a chapter, but also the context. And the context is what I want to uh, talk about today uh, in reference to the qualities of love. So... I heard the story about a Mexican couple who were celebrating uh, their anniversary. They had been married, you know, for 70 years. And as they were celebrating, uh, the, the children were there, the grandchildren were there, great-grandchildren, great-great-great-grandchildren, great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren. So you name it. So at some point in the party, everybody gets together and the sons and daughters are coming, you know, in couples. And the children and the grandchildren and a bunch of generations marry. And one of the sons of this man asked him, Dad, this is crazy. How have you been married 70 years? Like, that is so crazy. Like, what is, what is, what is the secret? What is the formula? And the gentleman said, well, you know, everything starts on the first day. When your mom and I, you know, got married, we were coming out of the chapel. We were riding on my donkey. And all of a sudden, my donkey sat down on the dirt, you know. I got out, got out of, you know, and stand up in front of the donkey. And I said, this is the first one. The donkey stood up and we continued walking. Like miles after we have, you know, been on, on, on the road, a, a second time, you know, the donkey went down and sat down and I, you know, stood up in front of the donkey and I said, this is the second one. So he got up and continued, you know, walking down the road. And, you know, uh, if you've ever been to Mexico, you're probably seeing a lot of people with machetes, you know, walking on the street. It's very common to have a machete. So the third time, the donkey went down, got on the floor, didn't want to move, and the man came Saw him, and he said, this is the third time. Cut the machete and cut the head of the donkey. And then the, the, his wife, you know, he says, you know, she, she was so scared. What are you doing? Are you crazy? Are you nuts? This is the only donkey that we had. How are we going to be walking now? Are you crazy? And he said, honey, this is the first one. <laughs> and never since, we never argue again. 
No, for reals. A few years ago, you know, I went to a church uh, actually here in Los Angeles, and it was Valentine's Day. And as I'm going to, I'm about to go inside the church, uh, this young girl, you know, she's dressed up, looking nice, and she knew me, and as I was, uh, as I, I was going to go inside, uh, she stopped me and she said, Franklin, do you want to kiss? And I look at her, you know, very surprised, and I said, what? Yeah, yeah, do you want to kiss? And I said, uh, right here? And she said, yeah. So I said, uh, sure. And she grabbed my hand, and she put a chocolate on my hand, and he said, happy Valentine. And then I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I thought about something else. But, yeah, so before uh, we talk about this scripture, um, you probably know that in, a, in English, it's very difficult to define the word love because love, the word love is used for a lot of things. You use the same word for I love, you know, this chair and I love my wife. Like you use the same word. Um, I love my dog and I love my mom. You use the same word. Um, I love, you know, my haircut or my shoes, and I also love Pastor Henry, and, and we use the same word, you know, for, for, uh, for the word love. So English, uh, in a way, I tell people, you know, it's, it's a very easy language to learn because uh, a lot of word, one word can mean so many different things. And when I was taking English classes, I was like, oh, cool. So I don't have to learn like 30 words different. I just have to learn one word and that's it. You know, for example, uh, the word set. Did you know that you can use the word set, S-E-T, in about 464 different contexts? That's pretty cool, huh? In another language, you will have to learn how to use 464 different words just to say the word set. Do you know that in English, the word run, R-U-N, you can use it in 396 different contexts. If you learn another language, you have to learn 396 different words for the word run. The word take in English, there's about 343 ways of using it. You can combine it. You can add, you know, uh, other conjunctions. You can write... Uh, put it together with other words and verbs, and you come up, you know, with 343 different contexts. The word stand in English, you can use it in 334 different contexts. If you were learning Spanish, or maybe if you were learning Greek or Malagasy, you will probably have to learn 334 different ways of saying stand. The word get, 289 ways of saying the word get. Uh, or I should say different contexts, and then the word turn, 288 different ways of using it. So, for example, in Spanish, there's two ways, you know, that you can say I love you. Uh, you can say te quiero, and te quiero means I love you, like in a friendly way. If you say te amo, you can always say that to God or to your husband or to your wife. But if you say te quiero to your husband and wife, you know, your wife may be like, oh, you just quieres me, you don't ama me, you know. Uh, so she'll probably get said, especially if you're married to a Hispanic girl, you know, you'll probably 
uh, when you learn Spanish, you know, you'll see that difference. So, and when I began to, you know, learn English and take English classes, uh, all of these contexts that you see in these, in these words, I had to learn how to use every single context for every word that I knew in Spanish. For example, for the word set, I had to learn how to manage 464 different contexts in which, you know, I can use this word. So it used to be funny because in the beginning, when I wanted to say to someone, I love you, uh, I wanted to say te quiero in English, and I used to translate it literally, so I made so many mistakes, you guys. You have no idea. Uh, I'm very traumatized, really, like traumatized. Um, I, you know, started coming to people, and especially, you know, girls or young guys, and and I will come to them, you know, give them a hug. I always like hugging people, and I will say, I want you. You know, I want you so much, bro. And I'm not kidding. Those of you who speak Spanish, you know, you know what I'm talking about. It was a different context. And in English, you can say, oh, I love pizza, and Oh, I love Lantu. You know, it's, it's like the same. So we're going to talk a little bit about that because in chapter 13, uh, the word love comes from the Greek. Now, Pastor Henry, he was uh, giving me a few hints, you know, and advice, you know, for the message. But in Greek, uh, people say that there's four different ways of saying the word love. Some people say that there's about seven ways, seven different words of saying the word love. So I'm going to talk about three different ways of saying the word love uh, today, but I will focus on one word that you already know, which is agape. Yes, agape. So let's read uh, uh, chapter 13. And uh, now, before we read it, I want you to know that this is a letter, right? The chapters, the numbers of chapters were added later on. But this is a letter the Apostle Paul is writing. So to understand the context of chapter 13, we have to start reading and see what's going on in chapter 12 and then chapter 14. And the last verses of 1 Corinthians 12, 30 and 31st says, the Apostle Paul is talking about the gifts, you know, of the Spirit. And he says, do all, do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all of you interpret the tongues? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then the Apostle Paul finishes chapter 12 by saying, And yet I will show you the most excellent way. And that's when he starts talking about love in chapter 13. So... Chapter 13, verse 1 and 9, it says, If I speak in tongues of men, of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. 
It keeps no record of wrongs. It is not easily angered. It love, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy, or we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what it's in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in the mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of this is love. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you so much, Lord God, for Agape Church, uh, for the name, Lord God, and, and for the vision of those who chose that name for this congregation. I pray, Lord God, that as we study this chapter in these few minutes, that you give, us, you give us wisdom and that we can just let the word change our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, there's about three points that I want to share with you in these few minutes. And the first one is that the Apostle Paul in chapter 12, he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And the reason being is because the church in Corinth, there were a lot of crazy stuff, you know, going on. People were, and I'm saying crazy, you know, like in a good way. There were people, you know, speaking in tongues. Other people, you know, were translating the tongues. Some people, you know, were prophesying. Other people, you know, were praying for those who were sick and they were healed. Uh, some people, you know, they were seeing visions. They were having dreams. Every single gift, you know, spiritual gift or ability or supernatural ability that you see in chapter 12 was happening in the church in Corinth. Now, the city of Corinth wasn't a very spiritual city. It was a, a city that had a lot of immorality. So a lot of those things, you know, were coming into the church and there was controversy. So the Apostle Paul, you know, he had to uh, clarify, you know, a few things about what marriage is, about what it is to be single, to be unmarried, to be divorced, uh, peace, you know, in marriage, so many things. So the Apostle Paul is writing this letter and I want you to see that in, in chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is not rebuking the church by saying, you should not speak in tongues. Or you should not be praying for the people who are sick. Or you should not be seeing visions or dreaming dreams. The Apostle Paul actually encourages the church to do that. And in chapter 14, if you read it, he is doing the same. He's talking about, you know, uh, what's going on during the worship. Making sure that we know how to use the gifts of the Spirit. Like in speaking in tongues, you know, during the service. And how to be careful when an unbeliever comes to church and hears, you know, somebody speaking about gifts. So, but something happens. As Paul starts, and he's, he's talking about the spiritual gifts. In chapter 30 of, I mean, in chapter 12 and verse 30 of 1 Corinthians, he says, do all of you have the gift of healing? I know. Do all of you speak in tongues? I, I know. 
do all of you interpret the tongues? And he's saying, okay, that's good. But verse 31st in chapter 12, he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. So the apostle Paul is saying, these gifts that you are doing in the church, in the community, when you are, you know, preaching outside, they are good. They are very good. They empower you to be witness, you know, for Jesus. But he says, I want you to desire greater gifts than this ones." And then he says on the last verse of chapter 12, and yet I will show you the most excellent way of letting people know that you are a disciple. And then the apostle Paul starts talking, you know, about love. And in verse, first, uh, verse number one of chapter 13, he says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clang uh, symbol. Now, the word that the Apostle Paul uses in chapter 13, and Pastor Henry, you know, he was checking my notes today. Um, there's three or maybe more ways of saying the word love in Greek. The first one, um, philia, right? Philos, which is like uh, if you tell someone, let's say, uh, if I come to Nina and I say in Greek, uh, Nina, I feel you. It's like me saying, Nina, I love you, like in a friendly way, right? That's the word that is used. Now, that, that, that means love. Now, there's another word to say love in Greek, and that's the word eros. So, if I come to somebody and I say, I eros you, that's what I was saying in Spanish, in English, when I didn't know the context, I was telling everybody in the church, I want you guys. I mean, I want you. And, you know, God has given me this great love for you. But there's a third word. And this is the word the Apostle Paul uses in Greek in chapter 13. He's saying in chapter 13, if I speak in tongues of men or angels but do not have agape, I'm nothing. I'm just like a sound. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can phantom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith, you know what? I've been in Christian environments where people practice the gifts of the Spirit. And it's great. You know, it's awesome. Um, I've been in those environments, and, and I'm happy. It's, it's great. It's exciting. But the Apostle Paul says, um, if I do all of those things, but I don't have agape, in my heart, then it doesn't mean anything. So if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship and I'm boasting, you know, about how good I am, but I don't have agape in my life, then that doesn't mean anything. So what is agape love? And I want you to pay attention because when the Bible says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and with all your spirit. And, and love your neighbor as yourself. The same Greek word is being used. It's not using the word philos or philea in Greek. Or it's not using the word eros in Greek. It is using the word agape. Agape. 
God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your, 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 um, your spirit, and agape your neighbor as you agape yourself. That's practically what it means. So what are the qualities of agape love? Number one, verse four, agape is patient. If we really love the way we are supposed to love, like the Apostle Paul is saying and asking, if you really love someone, you have to be patient with that person. And let me tell you that also in Ephesians, when the Apostle Paul is talking about husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. He is using the same word, agape. Now, maybe some people would have liked the Apostle Paul to say, husbands, eros your wife, you know, and some people would have been, oh, yeah, yeah, excited, maybe. I don't know. But that's not the word for love that the Apostle Paul used. He said the word agape. Love is patient. I can tell you that that's a quality that sometimes it's very hard, you know, to develop. But being patient means giving people opportunities, you know, to become better. God doesn't stop loving you when you messed up. Every time you come and you say, Lord, please forgive me for what I did, he's giving you another chance. Now, you don't have to raise your hand with the question I'm going to ask you. Don't raise your hand. Just answer it to yourself. How many of you remember a sin that you committed in the past? You look back into your life, maybe some of you have a sin that you say, yeah, yeah, I remember that I committed that sin. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord. Oops. Why do you remember when the Bible says that God forgives your sins and buries them into the depth of the sea and he remembers them no more? If God doesn't remember your sins, why do you have to be remembering your sins? And that is the type of agape that God loves us with. So love is patient. We give people opportunities. Quality number two, love is kind. What would be the opposite of kind? Mean. mean being rude. Yes. Um, when you love someone, you can't be mean to that person. It, it doesn't make sense. If you have agape in your life, you, you can't be mean to that person. So the second quality is being kind. When you show kindness to people, you are being, you are agaping, agaping just like God agapes you. The third quality that the Apostle Paul uh, talks about is uh, agape uh, does not have envy. You know, envy is when somebody gets something 
And all of a sudden, it starts to bother you that that person has maybe more money, like a better car, a more handsome husband, a prettier wife, or, or I don't know. But when agape is in our lives, we don't envy. We don't envy. The other quality that the Apostle Paul is boast. You know, like, like putting ourselves in such a high position that we're celebrating what we do and what we are. Uh, and maybe there's no basis for it. It's a call to love in humbleness. There's another quality. Agape does not have pride. In it. You can't agape anybody if, if you have pride in your heart. And if you say, you know what, I'm, I'm not talking to you. Have, have you heard that? Sometimes I have talked to people who, um, they have a list of wrongs that people have done against them in the past. And they pull out this list. And I have talked to some, uh, a couple of Hispanic brothers and sisters that, in the past, you know, I had a friend who told me, you know what, Franklin? If that person would have known me when I didn't know the Lord, man, he would, he would not even be here right now. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but you are a believer now, so you can't think about that right now. I'm just saying, bro. I'm just saying. Man, if, if they would have known me, you know, when I was back in the day, you know, over there. Bro, they, shh, man, they have to give thanks to the Lord that I'm a Christian, man, because, you know, if not, they wouldn't, oh, bro, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? And I'm like, yeah, kind of, but, so, agape doesn't have pride. Verse 5, agape does not dishonor others. When you have agape love in your heart, you are not going to mention an adjective to anybody of dislike about another person. Because God doesn't do it with you. And because Jesus said, agape the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your spirit, and with all your body, everything. And agape your neighbor as you agape yourself. If God is loving you like that, we cannot dishonor, dishonor others. Sometimes, you know, it's a difficult one because, um, you know, in the places, you know, where we work. Um, sometimes, you know, outside on the street. I was walking down Hollywood Boulevard, you know, one time. I used to like to go on, on, on the boulevard and, and just walk around on one side and uh, go to the other side and come back. And this one time, this guy comes, you know, comes out from, from a bar and I was, and as I was walking, he comes out of the bar, and he's like, okay, man, let's, come on, man, come on, come on. And, and he pushed me, you know, and, and I bucked off, you know, a little bit, and, and he wanted to fight me. I had never met this guy in my life. Never, 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 never. I felt tempted, very tempted to dishonor that guy, um, you know, in many ways. But it's not agape. Agape is not self-seeking. Oh, it's my interest. Oh, it's all about me. 
No, it's, it's no, 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 man. It's my need first. Agape is not self-seeking. And it, it doesn't keep no records of wrongs. So we can't, it, we can't have agape love in our lives if, if we have a list of, oh, you know, Franklin, two years ago, this person did this to me. You know? Have you, maybe not you, but I've seen, you know, other people, heard other people sometimes in other places. Oh, man, it's been 20 years, and this person has done this and this and this in 1999, you know, March 1st. I remember very well, man. I have a good memory. I have it in my journal. How about posting it on Facebook? Have you seen people that sometimes are upset and instead of they start posting, you know, these things that, that look like if they, if they were directed to somebody? Oh, you know, when people betray you and you treat them so nicely and, and, and you, like, give them everything and you believe in them and all of a sudden they let you down, you know, and they put a quote, get away from people, you know, who take your mental peace, you know, from you and, and people start sending likes. I agree, I agree, I agree. So agape does not keep records of wrong. And look at this one. Agape, it is not easily anger. This is, a, this is a good one because I think, you know, I mean, anger, it's, it's a natural emotion. And look at it. It doesn't say that you should not get angry. That's what I like about the scripture. You know, the scripture is so transparent. It doesn't say that you're never going to get angry. It's just you're not easily going to get angry. You're going to be a little patient. Does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Always trusts. Oh, you know what, Franklin? Yeah, I would like to trust, but that person let me down three times already. Uh-uh, I'm not doing the same. Fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So, no, 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 no. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. I'm running out of time right now, and I wish I could have explained a little bit more. But, but this is the thing, church. We have all been called to agape. And the Apostle Paul is practically saying, look, you can be the most spiritual person of the church. You can be the person who prays the most at the church. You can be the greatest preacher, you know, in Pasadena. You can be the greatest worship leader, you know, in, in the entire world. You can give so much money in offerings and tithes and, and you can do so many things. But if you don't have agape, it doesn't mean too much. Let's pray today and wherever you are, I want you to know that God agapes you. And that's why he gave his son in the cross so that he will die for you. Oh, Lord, uh, we come before you today. Lord, the Bible says that you are love. 
Lord God, with all these definitions, Lord God, in English and Spanish and Malagasy and, and Greek and French and German, Hindu, Lord God, um, we know that agape is just loving people unconditionally, just like you have loved me unconditionally. I pray today, Lord God, and we pray together uh, that we will continue to love this community the same way that you have loved us, with no conditions. Just open arms. Just come into this building, and you'll be loved the same way God loved me. Thank you, Lord.